Everyone, hello, welcome to episode 770 of the Pushing Rubber podcast. I am your host with the most, this of all time in 2018, Adam Piggott. This is the Pushing Rubber podcast. Did I say that bit? I don't know. I've already forgotten. I've lost my brain. 2018 is the year that Adam loses his brain permanently. <clears throat> More beer. That's the way to start a podcast recording, boys and girls. Yes, it is. All right. I was just working whether it was just working out. We're working out. Hang on. Let me take those headphones off. I only keep the headphones off to test if the Audacity program is working at the start. And it worked. And now I take them off. I, I, I sometimes see pod, podcasts on YouTube. So they're you, you pod tube casts where the person doing it is wearing headphones the whole time. And I can't for the life of me work out why that would be the case that you would need to wear headphones all the time. And sometimes I'll have like a guest and the guests will have headphones, but they're sitting across from the table from each other, like right there, like literally right there. I mean, why why do you need the headphones? I don't understand. You take the headphones off. I don't know. Maybe putting the headphones on for these people is like like a, a performance crutch. And I understand that. I'll tell you a story. Uh, A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, young Adam was 15 years old and in his first theatrical performance in the school play, uh, had an important role. wasn't the main role, but it was a very important one. And uh, 15 years old, I played the butler. I played the butler and I had to die. Almost everyone died, but I died first with a knife in the back. But I had to start the play off by walking out and, you know, big performance, five or six hundred people watching every night. Um, I had to start the play out by walking out and addressing myself to a portrait with a glass of something, a champagne, uh, saying something, you know, uh, giggling, sitting down and then reflecting over my life. Two or three minutes, the start of the play was just me. And it was a hard part. And the director at our school was the drama teacher um, who, based on her girth and general disposition, these days would be a social justice warrior. But that back then she wasn't. She was a raving religious lunatic. Um, but she was very good at acting. Uh, she did know her stuff. I'll give her that. Uh, anyway, she'd uh, picked me. I got the part for this part for the butler. What was the name of that... Uh... A tomb with a view. So a room with a view is a famous Noel Coward play. This was a tomb with a view. And it was like a, a comedy take on it. Murder mystery sort of thing. Anyway, so she, I got to do that. And we're doing rehearsals and blah, blah, blah. And we didn't rehearse for months. It was like a good three months leading up to this when we do readings and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we did the first... We started to do the first rehearsals on stage, but without... <coughs> excuse me. Without any of the sets... And I, I sucked. You know, I was just, yeah, I couldn't get into it. You know, I couldn't, just for me, it, she was like, come out and you're in, the, you're in the, big, the big study here and all the bookshelves and water-sealing bookshelves and rah, 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 that are empty of books. And, you know, here's the scene. And I just couldn't do it without the, I just couldn't do it to like a blank stage that there was nothing there. I, I, I couldn't get into the zone. <laughs> And she was actually really worried. Uh, a few of them worried about my performance. It was very flat, blah, 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 in rehearsals. And then the art 
main art teacher in the high school, he um, he painted up all the sets. Did a brilliant job. Really good job. Uh, and we did re the first rehearsal with the sets, and I just blew it away. Everyone was like, what the hell? You've just flipped it entirely 180 here. And it was obvious, you know, I needed... I needed some sort of visual representation to give me a crutch. And I remember like a couple of years later, we we're doing a play and, you know, there were some people who hadn't worked with me before and they're like worrying. And I just looked at them and don't worry, don't worry. As soon as the sets go up, I'll be fine. And sure enough. And everyone else was like, yeah, as soon as it's done, even worry about this. This is not what you're going to get. Um, so, you know, maybe the headphones are the performance crutch. For these YouTube video podcaster things, whatever they're doing, rah, rah, rah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But I, I just, uh, my headphones are sitting over here. If I could, I'd, I'd just listen to some tunes through the headphones while I was, uh, but I'd probably distract me too much. Can't do that. Uh, welcome to 2018. Welcome to uh, the next year of your life. I hope you all make it through the year. I hope I make it through the year. Uh, touch wood. Uh, hope the good wife makes it through the year. Touch wood. Hope the cat makes it through the year. Touch wood. Uh, I hope all of my listeners make it through the year and you have a great year. I hope that you get lots of stuff done this year. What, 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 it's the 3rd of January. What have you done so far? What have you done? Come on. What about all your New Year's resolutions? Got a pox on people's New Year's resolutions. It's, not, it was, it's, been, it's been a source of great mirth to me and the good wife that come January 1st, uh, the advertising on television has gone from 0% of gyms advertising membership to I reckon 15% of advertising airtime on television right now is for uh, deals you can get at your local gym to go down and get a membership for a whole year. It's hilarious. And it's obvious that gyms make most of their money in the first two weeks of January by people who sign up for a whole year membership. <clears throat> and I haven't stepped foot in the gym this year. I just don't want to go at this time of year. It's it's the pits. It's crowded. <coughs> it's full of idiots who don't know what they're doing. They'll all be on the squat rack. Oh, God. I prefer to just take another week because I've had two weeks off. Because I've been really sick. I know I've kept the podcast going, i kept the blogging going, but really, probably the worst flu of my life. Holy shit. I'm still not 100%. Still not 100%. Really knocked me around badly. Uh, still got a cough. <laughs> um, so I've been, I've been away from the gym like two and a half weeks, maybe even three weeks. Three weeks. I think I'm going to do another week. I know it's a whole month off and I'm going to go back and I'm going to go on back 30%. But I just don't want to be in the gym with the gym bros this week of New Year's. Uh, who just who, they'll only last a week. They'll only they'll only go three times. It's the same every time. Pay for your whole and what they think. Oh, I'll pay for the whole year's membership. I'll have skin in the game, and uh, you know that way that way it'll all work out for me. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. Your skin in the game's useless. Gyms are interesting. Gyms are one of those things where you can have skin in the game in the form of a year-long gym membership, so you paid your money and you still won't go. You still won't go unless you have discipline. Discipline, boys and girls. Discipline. I'll give you an example of discipline. Uh, I've got this great thread that I... Uh, 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 
Um, I've got this great website that I check every day called World War, World War II Today, www2today.com. And it just gives you, every day it gives you, it follows the date of the Second World War. So now we're on the 3rd of January, 1943. And it gives you a piece from that point in time of the war. You kind of follow it on, see how long it took. It's good. Today's one is from the it's called survival strategy on the railway of death which was the burma thailand railway which was a japanese pow camp made up uh, of prisoners from shanghai prison in singapore who were for the most part uh i think it was the second aif or the sixth aif i can't remember australian infantry uh division um my my neighbor growing up um was in that division and served on the on the railway. Uh, of course, I was only like an eight-year-old snot-nosed kid, so never really asked some questions about it, but we still didn't speak about it. Anyway, they've got a little thing about here. Uh, a guy, one of the prisoners, Australian prisoners, was determined to survive. Uh, here's what he did. There was little scope for planning one's way of life. To preserve my health, I vowed to wash whenever it rained, lying under the dripping edge of the hut and to clean my teeth every day using the toothbrush Piddington had given me and ground up charcoal for powder. Charcoal was also useful as a medicine against dysentery. To preserve some dignity, I vowed I would shave at least once a week if only I could remember the days. To preserve my self-respect, I vowed that whenever necessary I would make the latrines or bust. And to preserve at least some mental agility, I determined to learn off by heart one page a day from Mr. Hitler's Mein Kampf. Uh, I assume that was the only book that they were allowed to read by the Japanese guards. As the days succeeded one another for the rest of that black year, this particular vow became increasingly difficult, as in reading, uh, memorising uh, one, memorizing one page a day of Mr. Hitler's Mein Kampf. Uh, this particular vow became increasingly difficult, but I managed never to yield to the temptation of excusing myself from my task, and in return derived a perverse pleasure from the daily assimilation of so much vile prose. That's really important. This particular vow became increasingly difficult, but I managed never to yield to the temptation of excusing myself from my task. Booyah! Gotta to go to the gym today. It's gym today. How easy is it to come up with an excuse as to why you should excuse yourself on that particular day from going to the gym? I'll tell you how easy it is because of all these gym bros who fucking take out memberships, full year long memberships at the start of the year, year and two weeks later they're not, and they're in there fucking, yeah man, yeah, <laughs> you know, they're doing fucking dumbbell, dumbbell curls in the squat rack. Die, motherfucker, die! Ugh. Two weeks later, they're not there. Oh, yeah, man, I can't do it today. Oh, yeah, oh, shit, I've got some shit on, man. I guess you haven't got anything on. Anything you've got on is your underwear. You probably even got that on. It's halfway down your ass. I'll read it again. I managed never to yield to the temptation of excusing myself from my task. It's on the Burma Thailand Death Railway. And they were stuck there for three years. Man, that's discipline, boys and girls. So, 2018, is it going to be your year of discipline? What are you going to do? What have you done so far? No? 
Maybe I should say what I've done so far. Okay, well. First <coughs> of January, I wrote a detailed article. Um, it took me a while to do it. Let's have a look. I am a ferryman. I've been having that article stewing over my head for a while. You know, Once again, I worked it out in the shower. That's what I always do. And then yesterday in Australian Republic, the country be damned. Today I'm doing my podcast. Oh, what else? Working on the book. Working on the book. Working on the book. Is the book going well? It's going. It's going. Is it going in the direction I want? I don't know. It's going. But I'm working on it. Uh, what else have I done? Cleaned up after. Gee, we've had a, um, a really heavy... Uh, Holiday season um, social event calendar at Chateau Adam, Chez Adam, um, culminating with a high tea for about 20 people on New Year's Day in the afternoon. Arcanel. Um, and, and that was after dinner on New Year's Eve. I cooked. That was after Boxing Day dinner. I cooked. That's after Christmas Day. Didn't cook, but had to go and do the whole relative thing for about eight hours. Uh, it's just been really, really uh, non-ending. Not, not intense. It hasn't been non-stop. It's just been non-ending. And uh, on Tuesday, yesterday, it ended. Because um, obviously the first was the afternoon too. So cleaned up, just got everything. Took all the uh, decorations off the tree. I was sad to take off the decorations of the tree. It's been a great Christmas tree, but it's getting a bit dried out. And it's time for it to go. I did realise, though, how much light it was giving us in our living room. Our house our, our house we got here when we moved in, we didn't have any... It's got no lights. Like in the, um, in the lounge room and the kitchen and stuff like this... Like main main light, it's got little lights in, but it's not. It's not got. There's 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 wires sticking out of the ceiling where the lights should be, and the real estate, not even real estate, the landlord was like, "Oh yeah, man, you can put in lights." I'm like, "I'm putting in lights." I'll put it. We got we got lamps. We got floor lamps. I'm a big believer in floor lamps, people. Big believer, but I need more floor lamps now for the size of the living room that we have because it's quite it's quite large and it's got an extra high ceiling, which I like. Um, but the good wife is absolutely refuses to buy any lamps until we purchase our next house because it has to be in tune with the new house. Even though the lamps we have now, which we really like, are not in tune with the future house that we're purchasing, but she won't hear a bar of it. And, uh, it's very rare that she she just won't hear a bar of it. But on this one, she won't. So we've had the Christmas tree out for a month or so, three and a half weeks or something, and... Uh, Oh, yeah, it's, it's been given off a fair bit of light. Then I took it down yesterday and last night I was like, why is this room so dark? No Christmas tree. There we go. No Christmas tree. Anyway, moving right along. Keep them moving. Uh, a few things I want to talk about today. Um, today. Let's get them up here. First of all, apparently, the really funny guy of world wrestling, uh, Vince McMahon has sold $100 million of his stock in WWE, uh, the public public trading company that he's run since 82, for the purpose of relaunching XFL, X-Football League. 
He's apparently worked out that uh, so many fans, this is the perfect time because so many fans have abandoned the social justice warrior infected uh, political platform formerly known as the NFL in uh, the US. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. He won't provide any details on his new venture until January 25th at the earliest. Um, and it's, it's going to compete against uh, against the NFL. Great idea. Because there's been, there's been previous attempts at this. There was the... Um, <coughs> there was one... In the eighties, where Donald Trump for a couple of years, I think it was like eighty four, eighty five. He had a uh, and he had a um, team in it. It was the New York Generals, New Jersey Generals, New York Generals. Can't remember. I think it was Generals. Um, and basically, that league got undercut by the NFL with with with. They basically got bureaucrats to shut them down. Yeah. Crony capitalism and get rid of your competition by getting bureaucrats to shut them down through regulations and stuff like that. I think it was television regs that got them. You can be sure that with Donald Trump president of the United States, Vince McMahon, who is a personal friend of the great Trump, will be uh, will be doing pretty well on this. So this is a little bit of news. Let's call it the news. Um, I'm going to be keeping an eye on this. It's just a great, what a great way to start 2018. The winning never stops. The winning never stops. Australia's going down the gurgler. Like the two articles I've read, over, I've written over the last two days. Australia's just going down the shithole. Um, and I got, I got, I got a comment on my blog uh, from Dave, uh, regular commenter. Here we go. As sad as it is to say, Adam, I think your idea to move was a good one. This is just further proof. I see no point remaining a citizen of Australia if we become some ridiculous banana republic. It would be the final straw for me. My ancestors swore oaths to king and country to defend it. I would gladly have done the same of us, but such notions today would be ridiculed. The Marxists, to their credit, have been very effective in bringing this about. Uh, and then to describe, he's overseas for work at the moment, but he was back for Christmas, and describe something that happened around New Year's Eve or morning at his house, or outside his house, in a really nice suburb of Sydney. Um, uh, I'm, he finishes, I'm so disgusted by this country, I'm not wanted. Anglo-Saxons are clearly intended to be replaced in this land, but a nation is not the land, it's the people that inhabit the land. Very true. If my heritage and people are replaced, then my home will become just another cynically beautiful location on a map, devoid of any civilization, with crumbling footpaths full of blood, just like the dumps that these new so-called Aussies have moved from. So true, so true, so true. Uganda, Uganda. 19, Mid-1960s, British colony, working beautifully, roads, railways, everything. Ten years later, the whole thing falling shit. Gone. Gone, never to recover. Not since then. It's not going to recover now. Got a, uh, I met a Ugandan chap here. He's a political refugee from Uganda because he was in politics there, so he had to flee the company, country. I was very polite. I, I didn't, uh, this met him here in Holland. I didn't, uh, he's been here three years. He was from the opposition. I... <clears throat> I said I lived in Uganda, blah, blah, blah. He was delighted with that. We spoke about Uganda. He started talking about politics. I said I didn't know anything about politics. He said President Museveni has been in 
in power for 30 odd years. I went, yeah, you know, he was, he was been in power. He'd been in power for a while when I was there, and that was 17 years ago. Um, so you know, blah 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 blah. What I didn't, say, what I didn't say, I was reply. What I didn't say was that President Museveni's been the best thing that's happened to Uganda since the uh, British left. You don't hear about Uganda on the news, apart from when the fact that they're making homosexuality punishable by death. Is that wrong? Beats me. Anyway, uh, you don't hear about Uganda on the news. If you're not hearing about Uganda about African countries on the news, they're probably doing okay for African countries. President Museveni was the best thing that happened to Uganda. He's kept them stable for 30 years, or however long he's been in power. He's strong enough to be able to keep all of uh, his enemies under the thumb at bay. But he's not, he's not a power-hungry, mad maniac. Um, they had a good one in Idi Amin. Yeah? Idi Amin. Um, there's been plenty of good ones in African history. So he's that per- perfect balance, a benevolent dictator. Look, trust me, when, when you're 70 dies, uh, Uganda will be in the news again. And not for the right reasons. Not at all. Absolutely not. It's been a very good run for Uganda. Of course, of course, the the roads are still shit. The trains don't exist. Uh, the railway line that was painstakingly hacked out of the jungle between, you know, Kampala and uh, Nairobi has been, you know, left to <coughs> crumble to pieces. It's all, you know... It's still a gigantic shithole. But they, they haven't been killing each other in huge numbers for the whole time. That's, that's as good as it gets, Uganda people. As good as it gets. It's not civilization. The best way, the way I described the scene in Uganda, in Kampala, the city, looking down onto the uh, taxi park, next to the Awino markets there, uh, was kind of like the scene in Star Wars on Tatooine in the desert planet, looking down on, you know, the, the cantina and everything that was going on with the old aliens and the rough the rough sort of place, lawless place that they came into with Ben Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. And rah, rah, rah. That's, what it, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. The wild, the wild African West, I suppose. Anyway, so uh, what was I talking about? Oh, God knows. Uh, headline of twenty seventeen. <coughs> twenty seventeen was obviously the the year of um, what we call uh, racist headlines. So where you put racist into any headline possible. Um, traditional science racist needs to be replied with anti-science approach. Uh, students who avoid making eye contact could be guilty of racism, Oxford University says. These are actual uh, article titles from uh, last year. Um, bah, 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 bah. Math is now racist. Um, healing from toxic whiteness. The woman behind a course helping white people tackling internalized racism. Um, why Iowa professor Professor White Marble of ancient statues supports white supremacy. Um, the white supremacy is like the. I think white supremacy is going to be the new racist of twenty eighteen. Um, Pomona College students say there's no such thing as truth. Truth is a tool of white supremacy. Uh, white men must be stopped. The very future of mankind depends on it. 
Um, sorry, Asians, my blackness is not your counter culture. Uh, look, it's just it's uh, ten non not racist at all things white people do that make me think. Yep, he's probably racist. <laughs> Number four loves dogs. Look, I know dog lo lovers are generally good people and usually better people than cat people. What the fuck? But if I check your Facebook or Twitter profile and your avatar as a dog, I'm like 60% certain you've trained that dog to bite darkies. How did he know? But the title, article title of 2017 for me, there's so many, so many racist, you know, titles. Not racist, articles with a, with a racist, you know, racism, you know. That they kind of all melded into one, didn't they? They didn't stand out from each other. If you pick one, you could have picked any of them. Any of those ones, they could have... So, this is my pick for headline of 2017. Each month, thousands of witches cast a spell against Donald Trump. Subheading. How the witches of the hashtag magic resistance rise up against the Trump administration. There's just so much winning in that, in that heading, isn't there? There's so much winning on so many levels. And that, for me, is 2017, summed up. Excuse me, right there. I really still am not over this cold. So much winning, 2017. Thank you, 2017. I'm not going to do a 2017 roundup. I'm not one of these. I don't, I'm not like, oh, what was my best article at 2017 on the blog? Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? They're all forgotten. They're all forgotten. <laughs> anyway. Um, now, I was... I saw an ad come up. <coughs> I saw an ad come up last night on television. I was watching The Big Bang Theory. Back... Back... A back... Uh, episode. It's the one where... Um, Sheldon gets a uh, visiting professor who's female to stay at his at their apartment. She turns out to be hot, and she immediately sleeps with Leonard and then tries to organise a foursome with Leonard, Raj, and Howard. Uh, and I like that episode. She's she's uh, she's a redhead, but a hot redhead. Hot redheads are hard to find, man. I mean, the great one from the Cynical Libertarian Society is a thing for redheads. Yeah, you can get a thing for he's and he's been like posting up. I said to him, I said to him on a podcast we did recently together. I said, man, you can look, you can post up as many photos as you want, but nine out of ten will be shit. Redheads, there's just something wrong. We call them rangers in Australia. You're a ranger, <coughs> and uh, yeah, not good. But then you get this, the old redhead that's just. Stratospheric, that girl that played that thing. Anyway, getting off topic. Advertisement came up on television, and it wasn't for a gym. Uh, it was for a movie called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, probably one of the worst movie titles I've ever read in my life. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. But the, the film looked good, and the reviews looked great. Um... For reviews from people, no, I don't. I don't look at critics' reviews anymore. These are the same critics who ninety-eight percent of them thought the latest Star Wars movie was the best thing ever. Uh, I don't look at 
if I check Rotten Tomatoes now, it's just to see what the 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 actual votes are from from actual people, not not con- completely converged movie critics. Uh, movie criticism died when Roger Herbert died. Really? You could trust Roger Herbert to actually be sincere. Did he get it wrong? Oh, yeah. Sure he got it wrong. He didn't get it wrong like Rolling Stone and Led Zeppelin wrong, but he still got it wrong. But he was always, he knew he was coming from, I'm going to judge this film on its merits, that's it. And that just, no one has stepped into Philly's shoes. If they have, name them. Go on, name them. No one. Nobody. Uh, you've got these online ones, and I don't even know they are. I don't give a fuck. Anyway, terrible uh, name for a film, but apparently a good film. Anyway, it stars Francis McDormand. Now, I got a discussion with someone about actresses. So, Francis McDormand. <coughs> Let's have a look at her. She's been working in film since 1984. Started with Blood Simple. Uh, let's see what she's been in. Raising Arizona. Great film. Mississippi Burning. Uh, awful film. Um, Chattahoochee. Don't know what. Miller's Crossing. Great. Uh, she's been in a lot of Cohen Brothers films, but of course she married Joel Cohen, so, you know. Dark Man, Barton Fink, Shortcuts. Fargo was the big breakthrough one for her, of course, in 1996. But she's just been in so many great films and just a brilliant actress. Now, would any of you consider Frances McDormand to be bangable? I think you'd have to agree. I mean, the the, the really tough the really hard part that I had with Fargo was believing that Frances McDormand's character was actually pregnant and someone had sex with her. Apart from that, I loved the film. Um, but I had a hard time with that. My point is, is Frances McDormand um, is not bangable in a, million, in a million years. And this was the conversation I had with someone You've got two types of actresses. You've got actresses that are hot and actresses that can act. Very occasionally, the two overlap, like, um, beating my brains here. Uh, I thought of two when I was working at the podcast. I didn't write them down. I'd say that um, uh, Audrey Hepburn could act, and Audrey Hepburn was definitely bangable in a little elfin kind of way. Not my type. But very, very, very cute. Um, Sophia Loren. Now, Sophia Loren could definitely act, and Sophia Loren was definitely bangable. Um, but in general, you've got you've got beautiful actresses and actresses that can act, and the the two very rarely overlap. Now, the the thing is that we got this discussion we were going was the fact that. That you always hear actresses complain there's no roles for older women in Hollywood. And this is this is this is incorrect. There are plenty of roles for older women in Hollywood if you're an actress who's based her career on being able to act, not if she's based her career on being hot. 
if you've based your career on being hot, then you have a definite use-by date. If you've got all the parts because of your hotness, and then suddenly your hotness is turning into notness, well then the rolls are going to be drying up faster than a broken egg on a car bonnet in Marble Bar in Western Australia, which is a very hot place. I mean, think of Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson is still getting films, roles now, only just. But her days are numbered. Frances McDormand, she's been going since 1984. She is now, let's have a look at it, 60 years of age. She's headlining this new film with a terrible title, but it's a good film, apparently three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Let's have a look here at the... Thing. She has top billing. Woody Harrelson is under her. Not not in that sense. But uh, Woody Harrelson is under her in the building, building, building there. <coughs> and some other guys said, I don't even know who it is. Um, so she's doing well. And I thought of a couple of other actresses who have based their careers on being able to act. Dame Judith. Dench, 83 years of age, 83 years of age. Uh, let's have a look at the filmography. I've actually prepared this podcast by having these uh, these pages already up, but I haven't got to her filmography. Here we go. Start, first film was in 1964, The Third Secret. Last film, and she's still working 2017, last year, Murder on the Orient Express. She did three films last year. Three. Count them three. Years active. Oh, Years active is actually 1957 till the present. present. First role in television was 1959. Holy mother roly ruly. 80... Was it 83? 83 years of age. i got an early photo of her here. Let's have a look. With Laurence Olivier. She was... No, she wasn't cute. She was uh, not cute at all. Sorry, Maggie. Uh, I love uh, your films. God, she's good in so many films. But, uh, yeah. And one more for you. Maggie Smith. Sorry, Judy. Judy, not Maggie. Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. Another day. Also 83 years of age. I think that her and Judy Dench are besties. Years active, 1952 to present. Um, let's have a look at her first film, 1956, Child in the House. Scrolling down, last film was The Lady in the Van in 2015, but this year... Uh, she's done Sherlock Gnome's voice. Television, Downton Abbey, finished in 2015, and to be announced, Nothing Like a Dame, uh, which is a documentary in post-production. Um, also did theatre until 2007. Theatre is quite exhausting. Um, so Dame Maggie Smith, Dame Judith Dench, and Frances McDormand, Mc, Mc, 
actresses who can act, not actresses who are hot. Was Maggie Smith hot? I haven't got many... There's no photos of her on Wikipedia. There's only a photo of her, <coughs> which is a portrait. Maybe she didn't give any um, permission for that. Let's have a look. Maggie Smith. Photos. Uh, yeah, like Maggie Smith back in the 50s and 60s was... Um, Oh, she wasn't too bad. Kind of cute. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not a not a stunning beauty, but yeah, definitely. There's this photo here from the Telegraph. Photographed in 1960. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Maggie Smith is one of the ones that... Uh, well, but she wasn't... Look, she was... She was beautiful, but she wasn't hot. Does that make sense? She wasn't She wasn't like the, the Mexican weather girl that I saw recently. <gasps> but, you know, the Mexican weather girl's fine art, you know, shelf life is... What? Ten minutes? I don't know. Anyway... So, look, I don't know what the point of all that was. I think the point of that was is that I was having a discussion with someone who was saying that there was no bloody roles for women, and I objected to this, and I said there's plenty of roles for women. There's just no roles for women who've, who've all they've, all they had to bring to the table was their beauty. Um, or uh, beauty and an ability to get down on their knees and do the dirty at the drop of a hat and then of course go around going me too me too me too i was a big i was a big slut i was a big slut me too i was a big slut me too yeah i was a total slut i sucked a lot of cock to get where i am and now i want recompense for that fuck sponsors aaron clary Sponsors this podcast. Aaron has a blog spot. Aaron has a uh, website, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. He's still with Horrible Google. Yes, he is. <coughs> um, he has a bunch of books out um, on different subjects ranging around economics for young men who don't like to read. Uh, he has a asshole consulting business where he will answer your question. And he has a podcast, which he puts up twice a week. Is Cappy still doing the... Um... Is he still doing the Curse Free podcast? Uh, yep, he is. Okay, so he puts up two, two a week. Curse Free podcast, there we go. Now, uh, I had Cappy's site open because I needed to have it open and I just closed it. This is what the segue into... Cappy was about. Um, so he had a um, YouTube request video up recently called Deprioritizing Women in Your Life. I watched it. I watched the whole thing. And then um, he put it up on his blog 
with, and he had to say this about it, I can honestly say, as will most men, that the single longest, largest waste of our time was chasing girls in our youth. A friend of mine and I often noted that had we spent the same resources, time, energy and finances pursuing doctorates or careers, we would be immeasurably better off. I thought, Cappy, I thought you were against the college system. And wasting money on, why would you have been better off owing money on a doctorate and wasting four years of your life and doing that? Uh, I've often known that, we, that had we spent the same resources, time, energy and finances pursuing doctorates or careers, we, we would be immeasurably better off and argue, arguably with the same level of success with women. Well, let me argue with you. I, I disagree with this. I disagree with this. And it's very easy, unfortunately, to fall into this trap. Hindsight 101 and all that sort of thing, you know. Um, Cappy, I've, I've never met Aaron. Um, he and I email each other. We've spoken a couple of times on Skype. Um, but I've never sat down with him. But I do know that he has a... A long-standing and excellent relationship with a a very nice uh, woman who I've never spoken to her in life. But from what I can gather, Cappy's done very well for himself in that regard. Very well indeed. As I have, the good wife. Um, <coughs> can't do much better than that, to be honest with you, the good wife. Uh, been together 10 years now. This, this year will be 10 years. 10 years? Lord. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now that I did a lot of chasing of women in my youth. I spent a lot of resources. Oh, God, did I spend a lot of resources. Anyone who's read my first book knows exactly how much resources I spent or gave up. So I, and I also spent a lot of time, oh, gobloads of time. I mean, I chased a chick all the way across Australia. She said, I don't know, no, for about four weeks. And it was based, basically a sexual relationship. And she said, it's over, I'm moving to Sydney now. And I gave up everything, sold everything and chased her across the country on my motorbike. Get my first book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, to show how a young man starts off fucking his own life. Up. Fucking up his own life. Can't split those prepositions. Um, <coughs> I chased a chick to Canada. Canada! From Australia. Jeez, oh. I did a lot of chick chasing. So a lot of time, a lot of energy. Finances, resources. Oh, God. Jeez. It was not wasted, boys and girls. It was necessary. It was necessary for me to be able to understand women. You only learn by doing. You can theoretically learn by theorizing, but in reality, especially when it comes to emotional fortitude with the opposite sex, you only really know when you get out there and start doing it. It's all so easy to get on your bloody pickup sites and be going, yeah, these are the 10 best lines. Oh, man, I'd use those 10 best lines. Get the guy who's, who's the keyboard warrior 
Down to your local bar. Get a girl who's a seven at best. All right, go up to her and you, you won't even fucking go up to her, mate. Won't even, won't even approach her. Oh, no, sh- no, I don't want to approach that one because... No, dude, we're not trying to... We're not trying to... It's not whether she's your type or not. You're trying to show us that you can you can pull. Oh, no, I wouldn't want to pull that, mate. Oh, no, oh, I'm fucking not touching that, mate. No, my standards are higher than that, mate. What do you think this is, mate? <laughs> nah. Nah, mate, mate, she's a pig dog. Pig dog, mate. Nah, nah, nah. Best pig dog you'll ever get. Nah, mate. Oh, what are they fucking trying to say, mate? What are you trying to say? Trying to say is that you learn by doing. I'm not going to speak for Cappy because that would be rude. Um, I'll speak for myself and everyone can then infer what I mean. The only reason that I was able to pull the woman who became my wife was because of everything that I had learned the hard way, which is the best way to learn, in the 15 years. No, was it 15 years? Yeah. 16, 17 years prior to meeting her. Even longer, maybe. Maybe the 20 years. I think I met her at 35. I started chasing girls at 15, sure. Everything that I went through, all the mistakes that I made, all of the behavioural patterns that I eventually identified as being, and we're not just talking about, you can pick up as many hot, amazing chicks as you want. Try keeping them for any length of time. And by keeping them, I mean keeping them interested in you. Try doing that. That is another order of magnitude. Anyone, this is what the pickup artist stuff, look, game is important, guys. Game is really important because it gives you confidence. It can give you confidence in yourself, gives you confidence with women, and it can lead you to, to not being fucked over as much as you would be fucked over if you didn't have a game. You'll still get fucked over because that's the world, okay? You're not, gonna, you're not gonna get away from getting fucked over. That doesn't exist. But nothing, it, it, all the pickup, as I, was, ugh, I lost my train of thought. Pickup artists, picking up girls. Yeah, go on, off you go. One of these pickup artists, all they do is pick up girls. Pick them up, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. I never see them keeping girls. Why is that? Are they? All these great pickup artists, so they keep pick, keeping girls, or have they trapped themselves in this in this image and they can't they can't get out of it? That's sad. You're not controlling your life when you're you know living up to a internet image. I wasted a lot of time chasing girls. No, let me rephrase it. I spent a lot of time chasing girls. I spent a lot of resources. I spent a lot of energy. I spent a hell of a lot of money. Um, it was worth it. It was worth it because personally, myself and the level of fucked uppedness that I was in as a result of my feminist mother and the fact my parents got divorced when I was 12 um, meant that I had a lot of shit to unlearn and it takes time to do that and you cannot do that by sitting at home and theorizing. You can't do it by writing out bloody mantras. You can't do it by 
you you can only get out there and do it. It's the only way. Learn what works. If I look, if I look at, if I look at how I approached uh, wooing the good wife, it was exactly the opposite of anything that I was doing ten years previously. Anything. If I'd met her ten years previously. Oh, that would have worked because she would have been legal over 18. She would have been over 18. If I'd met it, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stood a chance in hell. Same guy, you say, but not the same guy because I was a different guy back then. I had to change myself. You don't change yourself by sitting at home theorizing. You can only change yourself, guys, by getting out there and and investing in yourself investing in yourself is not going to college investing in yourself is making a man of yourself so i understand what aaron is trying to say with his deprioritizing women in your life thing but that's only going to work in two instances number one you already have no hang-ups with women and you do just fine as it is and you've got no shit to get over I knew a couple of guys like that in the rafting game, uh, and they were absolute—they uh, were killer. They would have been killer in any other um, profession. But put these kind of guys in rafting, I mean, smack me down, holy moly, wooly wooly, whatever that means. These guys were just—they could have any any chick they wanted. They were always in control of the situation. They never got fucked over complete alphas these guys exist look if and you know what they didn't spend time resources energy or finances pursuing women because they didn't have to so if you're one of those guys you're a natural alpha or you you never had your your childhood fucked up so you don't have to unlearn a bunch of shit okay fine they never <laughs> they never spent any money or you're basically at the wrong end of the bell curve for, for men in the sense that there's really nothing you can do. I mean, even though women are attracted are not attracted to physical characteristics of men as much as men are attracted to women. So men have a, an advantage over this, over women in this sort of thing. You, you can make yourself as a man, but there's just some guys where you know that there's this is, they're on the wrong end of the bell curve. That, these are the guys who went into monasteries. They served a purpose. In that case, and look, be honest with yourself. You know? I'm talking like the extreme edge of the bell curve, though. <coughs> There's some pretty ugly guys who went out there and crushed it. Um, then, yeah, deprioritize women in your life. But you know what? It was, it was really hard for me growing up and unlearning all of the bullshit that got thrown at me at you know, the age where the stuff sticks, unfortunately. Um, but I, I have to say that young guys today have probably got it 10 times worse looking at what's going on in the schools all of this anti-male bullshit that's going on um, you've probably got a lot more hurdles to get over than, than what we had to uh, yes you do have all of the information on the internet you've got resources like myself and Aaron and Rollo Tomasi and uh, Roycey you've got heaps of, heaps of resources out there but you still have to get out there and do it. 
It's like learning learning how to set up a business, you know, taking all these classes, but never actually going and setting up your own business. I mean, everyone that I've ever had professional dealings with who went to university, got a degree, and then went out into that same field that they had their degree and started working, and it was basically like, holy fuck, I've learned more in the last two months than I learned in two years at university. Every time. Every single time, because you can theorize as much as you want, but in actual fact, you just need to get out there and start cutting people open. If you want to be a surgeon, don't go to university. Just go out there and start cutting bits off people. Ah, it'll be fine. You'll learn. You'll learn. So ask yourself, Aaron, if you're listening to this, ask yourself really. Think about how you were with women back in your early 20s. And then think how you are now. and Think if you'd met the girl you're with now back then. Would you have been able to get her and keep her? I don't know. Only you could answer that. Only you could answer that. But my point is, is that I know for a fact with myself that if I'd met my wife, I met my wife when I was 36. I think. Yeah, 36. I think that if I had met her four years earlier, so when I was 32, I don't know whether it would have gone as well for me. I think my chances of being successful with her at 32 would have been much less than uh, what I the chances that I had at 36. If I'd met her before I was 29, there is no way in God's hell that I would have been successful. And that's me being brutally honest and looking back at me. And it's just because I could get them, but I couldn't keep them. And I couldn't keep them because I still hadn't worked out relationships. And you only work those things out by being in them. I wasn't standing up for myself in relationships. That's the thing. I wasn't standing up for myself. I was a pushover. All right, let me tell you a really embarrassing story. This one's this one's this one's embarrassing. So girlfriend uh we've been seeing each other for about 3 probably Eight weeks, or say, yeah, probably two months. This is in Italy. My very early 30s. And everything had been brilliant. <coughs> everything had been absolutely sensational. Sensational. And she had her own place, and it was a great place. Working as a rafting guide down there at the base, and... Stay with her, and then I walked down to the base. I was in walking distance to the base, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't having to live with Smelly. First time in like six or seven years I hadn't had to share a, uh, a, a, a house, let alone a room with Smelly River Guides. And uh, I woke up this one morning. It was in August. And, man, I was on top of the world. You know, you, you wake up happy. You wake up like, man, I am killing it. I am killing it. It had just been going absolutely fantastic 
And I woke up, started to get ready. She was still asleep. She woke up. I was like, hey, baby, blah, blah, blah. And she went to bed, Dr. Jekyll, and she woke up Mr. Hyde. I mean, she woke up just, and nothing had happened. She was, it was, to cut a long story short, a gigantic shit test. And looking back on it, I hadn't been shit tested at all by her in the first eight weeks. And obviously it had been building up and the shit test came out. She was abominable to me that morning. I mean, behavior that was just out of this world. And if that happened now, or if that had happened three years later, uh, from when it actually happened to me, I would have simply grabbed my bag, grabbed my stuff, walked out without a word, deleted her number from my phone, and never had any contact with her again. Because she'd hit the three-month line. The three-month line, it was only two months in, but the three-month line is you can be with a girl, but she can... Royce had something about this. He said it as well uh, today. I've said this before, though. Where has he got it? Where has he got it? Hang on, sit with me. I know what I want to say, but he just he just wrote it really well. Okay. You are going to have at least a three-month trial period breaking her in. Few women can sustain the illusion of a perfect fit with you longer than that. Her annoying tics, untrustworthy sluttiness, antagonistic value system, psychological scars, and feminist proclivities will eventually out themselves, is what I should have written there, and they almost always out post-coitally when she, like all women, thinks her vagina is sufficient to placate any doubting Thomas and divert his attention from her shitty personality um we hadn't had coitus that morning but she'd hit that three month wall two months in and it's very true i've said this i've said that before but it was just a lovely way that he's uh the quote that he's done there um a woman cannot hide her personality defects for longer than three months if she's with you day in day out they will rise to the surface like fat floating to the surface on a pot of boiling stock. There's no way they can hide them. And that was what happened on this morning. And like I said, um, three years later, I would have grabbed my bag, deleted her number from a phone. I wouldn't have said a fucking word, walked out, gone to the base, gone, hey, fellas, I'll be uh, back in my other room tonight. They would have gone, oh, didn't work out. Nah, man, nah, okay. What we're doing today, and she would have come down to the base and fucking made a scene. I'm like, you're dead to me. Don't even fucking talk to me ever again. Blah 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 blah. That's how I would have done it. That's not what I did. This is the embarrassing part. This is me laying it out there and showing you how much you really have to invest in yourself and why time, your time is not wasted chasing girls and being in relationships because you have to put yourselves in these situations and see how you react she was so abominable and it was such a flip and everything had been going so well 
and we had been the best relationship of my life up to that point that I burst into tears, which completely threw her, shocked her into oblivion. I went into work. This is the big tough rafting guide, man. I burst into tears. 30 years of age. Yeah, I know. I know. There I said it. It's on the internet. You can all mock me to uh, Kingdom Come for it, but I stand by it. Um, ended up staying with her for quite a while. Um, relationship was hell. Should have walked out. And when I eventually did break up with her years later, when I eventually did throw her out, uh, I vowed never to make the same mistakes again. And I made numerable, numerous, numerable is not even a word. <coughs> I made numerous mistakes during that. And it was like that relationship for me was like the culmination of everything I'd been working up towards with women at that time. It set in foundation behavior patterns. It, it finally eliminated behavior patterns that had been in my base foundation for most of my life, for all of my adult life. Um, and it really, really caused me to harden and toughen the fuck up. And that was absolutely needed for me. It was absolutely needed. So when I did meet the good wife, years later, well, I learned these things the hard way. I get what Aaron's saying about deprioritizing women in your life, but you can only do that if you are a God-given alpha or you intend to really have no contact with, no in close interactions with women in your life. Otherwise, you have to prioritize women in your life so you get in control of the situation. There are no shortcuts, people. There are no shortcuts. All this literature that's out there is fantastic. But there are no shortcuts. I know what it's like when you're a young guy. Look, <coughs> here's what all young guys think. You're a young guy, 18, 19, 20, 25, whatever, and you see a 50-year-old man go past you in a, in a $200,000 Porsche convertible. As a young guy with not many prospects, fuck all money, not getting the chicks that you want, your immediate inner reaction is that Porsche is wasted on that 50-year-old guy. That's your reaction as young guys. I know. That's what was my reaction too. How was that 50-year-old with that brilliant Porsche? He's, it's wasted. He's not having fun anymore. He's not like me. I'm a young guy. I've got all of this energy and man, and I'm young and you know, rah, rah, rah. You know, I should have the Porsche because I can really take advantage of that car now. And he can't. He's 50, man. It's all over for him. What the hell he's doing? That's what you think as a young guy. A young guy's listening to this uh, let me tell you something. The 50-year-old gets as much enjoyment out of that car as you ever would have, and then some. It doesn't stop, guys. It stops when you can't get an erection anymore. Until that point, it's just the same. You might calm down, and some guys don't. You'll probably calm down around the age of 38, 39, 40, some of like that. You're not going out to bars. <coughs> You're not chasing chicks around the world, blah, 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 blah. But you still gain enjoyment, just as much enjoyment as you can imagine gaining 
right now as a 20-year-old looking at the Porsche and thinking what you would do with the Porsche. You gain just as much enjoyment. So the point is there are no shortcuts. You build up to these things. And your experiences and your hard-earned lessons are worth it. They're worth the money. They're worth the resources. They're worth the time and effort and energy. They're absolutely worth it. You've got to go out there and do it, man. There are so many keyboard warriors I see who have, who have never walked up to a girl in a bar. And you can just tell. You can just tell by all the bluster. It's all the bluster. It's all of the bragging. Guys who've done it, guys who know how to do it, guys who can go out and get it, they don't brag, they don't bluster, they don't do any of that. There's no point. So, that's the podcast. It's gone on a while. Um, if you like the stories I'm telling you, get my first book, Pushing Rubber Downhill. If you like the stories I told you about uh, me losing it in Italy, get my second book, Run Guts, Pull Cones. You can get them in a dead tree version. You can get them in an electronic version. You can get Pushing Rubber Downhill uh, on a audiobook version, read by Davis Arini. Uh, you can order them from your local bookshop. You can order them from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Depository, whatever you want. If you like the podcast, subscribe to it. If you really like it, spread it around. Spread out the word. Tell your friends. Subscribe to my blog, Pushing Rubber Downhill. And thanks for listening. And I hope you got something out of it. And I'll talk to you next week. Ciao.